very welcome along gardening programme on this Saturday morning here on Midwest Radio Porrick. Good morning Good to you. morning, Deirdre. How are you? I am great. Thank Good. you very much. Sun streaming in the Sun studio streaming this morning. In. I was actually driving in. This is a complete aside now all of a sudden, as usual. Uh, and I was just thinking, you know, sometimes I had a great sleep last night. Is there anything better than a good sleep and a cup of coffee first thing in the morning? It's the simple things. And a bit of gardening. And a bit of gardening. <laughs> <laughs> How did I leave that out? Absolutely. I'm surprised How, at you. Do you know why that I wasn't you were top me. of my list this you morning? you me up there. Of anyway, the we are talking gardening for the next sure hour are. here on Midwest Radio. And we're going to start talking about fruit this morning. Yeah, I thought, why not? We'd, we'd, we'd start. Um, I did a little piece on, on TV3 this week, um, and it was all about gardening with your children, because the kids are still off. And I suppose the theme was, you know, after all the Easter eggs, maybe it's time to get them back out into the garden. But one of the plants we featured was the uh, family apple tree. So these are dwarf apple trees that are grown here in Ireland in a, in a lovely nursery down in Kilkenny um, by Pat Fitzgerald. And he grows a whole range of, of apples, but particularly a family apple tree. So it's a, an apple tree that's grafted onto a very small rootstock which means that you can grow them in tubs and containers out on your patio and your balcony in a very small area. So mm. the tree itself in a pot will never grow much bigger than five or six feet, maybe a, a metre in diameter, you know, four, three to four feet in diameter, um, and will produce full-size apples. But the unusual thing about the family apple tree is that you get two different varieties on the one tree. So, for example, you get a lovely variety called El Star, which is a, it's kind of orange and red, uh, skin on the outside and uh, very n- fresh juicy flavour to apple it's a really nice one L-Star um, and that then is mixed with something like green sleeves which is a green apple so you get the two different varieties on the one tree they both cross pollinate which mm-hmm. is nice but what we did on in, on the set was we planted into a, a patio tub and then underplanted with strawberries Oh, very Which nice. Is lovely. So apples so, and strawberries. Star- absolutely. And the two will go very well together. Both will come into flower as we get into early May. Um, you get cross-pollination on the family apple tree between the two different varieties that flower in the same time. And then the strawberries are perfect in tubs and containers. They actually like to be in a restricted area. So they're, they're brilliant in window boxes, win- uh, hanging baskets, patio pots. Strawberries do really well because if they get too much feeding and too much... They get lazy probably, Well, they get they? leafy. Right. very leafy and at the expense of flower and fruit. So where you put them in and in a little bit of competition with other plants. So that's why they do so well in patio pots or window boxes or shallow containers. Um, I often stick them in when I'm doing up the hanging baskets, mm. stick in a couple of strawberry plants as well, in with the trailing petunias because it's nice to have them mixed in as well. So the planting of strawberries that can occur this time of year, the planting of all fruiting plants really occurs in April, early May. So apples and in particular those dwarf varieties because it saves you the need for pruning and having to cut them back. They don't get too big and they stay... The, the tree that you actually purchase at this time of year is a five-year-old tree. So it'll actually come into fruit this year. So they're quite mature. Even though the tree is only about four feet high right. when you purchase it, it's actually five or maybe six years old and the flower buds are already set on the tree. So in year one, it's typical to get a handful of apples so and every year after that. And Absolutely. Yeah. And great for kids. That was the point I was making. It's a simple little project you could do over the weekend. Get the children involved because as I always say, the child that grows a strawberry eats a strawberry or the child hopefully that grows an apple tree will eat an apple mm-hmm. as well. So it was a nice little project and that was really the theme of the programme is one of the things that children could do in the garden over the Easter period. So we, we featured fruit in particular. And speaking about fruit, it's also blueberries were, were the other plant I featured 
And again, blueberries are related to the wild bilberry. And, you know, Mark was saying to me that he didn't remember as a child the, the blueberries, that there seemed to be a, a new fad in the last 10 years. But they've actually been with us for, for decades. Yes, because well, I remember there was a bilberry festival once. Uh, yeah. Um, I think in the Cavan area. So it, it, and it's there a long time. And bilberries grow wild around, particularly in, in um, boggy areas around uh, lakes, that sort of terrain, you'll get the wild bilberry, which is like a small blueberry. But blueberries, of course, are, are um, bred now to produce really large fruit, mm. juicy fruit, but they're very easy to grow, like the bilberry. And they do very well in pots and containers as well because you, they need an ericaceous soil, a lime-free soil, so you simply can plant them up into tubs okay. and containers. And if planted now, they will fruit this year as well. And the point I was making was that it, blueberries live forever. You, it's atypical to have them for 50, 40 or 50 years in the garden. But other fruit then, rhubarb, there's a lovely variety called pink champagne. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Does it does sound absolutely delicious. Which is an old variety, but again, it's one that you can plant at this time of year. So the planting of rhubarb occurs in April as well. Um, now, rhubarb is better planted out into the garden soil. It is quite a hungry plant, so it doesn't do well in pots and containers. It's fine for a couple of years, but it tends to exhaust itself very quickly. So better planted out into very rich soil, ideally enriched with organic matter. So that can be garden compost, it can be or rotted farmer manure, it can be mushroom compost, anything that has an organic matter in it, rhubarb absolutely loves. Um, and generally speaking, you leave it for a year to grow and then you harvest it after that. But look for that variety, pink champagne, because it's particularly suitable for forcing. And that's where we cover rhubarb with an old bin and force the plant to produce sticks early in the season. And pink champagne produces really, really bright, pink, uh, delicious uh, flavoured uh, rhubarb. So what, does one not have to add too much sugar to it then if you're... Uh... You don't because it's, it's actually very, very sweet. Right, you can eat it straight from the so natural sugars. Exactly, full of natural sugars. So the planting of fruit in general, the planting of vegetables and herbs starts now as well. So all the hardy vegetables, um, okay, soil conditions are quite wet at the moment, but if you've got raised beds or you've got some containers to plant up or you're planting up in a tunnel or greenhouse, then all the hardy veg is ready for planting and things like cabbages and cauliflowers and uh, the early potatoes are all ready for planting. Carrot plants are ready for planting out now. So all of those um, frost we're still seeing some frost at night time. Mm -hmm. So any tender plants like tomatoes need to be kept indoors on a windowsill or on a patio or in your greenhouse but covered at night time. Speaking about greenhouses and tunnels, this is a good time of year as well. If you're thinking of putting plants in there to maybe put in one of the little smoke bombs that they excrete a smoke and they get rid of any pests that might be in the gardens or in the tunnel or greenhouse. So they'll eradicate things like green fly, white fly, black flies, any of the aphids that, that typically come on peppers and, and tomato plants during the summer season. So that's a simple little device. It's called the Nippon smoke bomb. It's a little bomb, a little uh, canister. You light it, you leave it in your tunnel or greenhouse and it gets rid of any pests that are lingering about after the Very winter good. period. Now hopefully the frost will, will have taken care of a lot of that as well. Uh, sweet pea time. Mm -hmm. So if people want scent and colour and maybe they've got a wedding coming up in July or August, or they just want a bit of colour for maybe to put for their local church or for their own home with a little bit of scent, then sweet peas, this is the time to plant them out of doors. They're perfectly frost hardy. So the plants are about six to eight inches high in your local garden centre. They'll grow from that to six feet this summer. And the trick with sweet pea is plant them early, so plant them now, um, and then pinch out the growing tips, the little shoots at the top, pinch those out uh, as you plant. They'll 
grow very rapidly and then as they flower in June, July, you constantly cut them back. So every 10 days you take off the flowers and it encourages the plant to reproduce new flowers again. Sweet peas produce their flowers every seven days. So if you, if you, oh, that's quite, if that's you take all the flowers, so if you've got a special occasion, for example, if you have a wedding on the 10th of July, then if you cut all the flowers off the plant on the 1st of July, mm-hmm. you're guaranteed to have a profusion of flower by the, the 7th. 7th or the 8th, you know, depending on, on, <laughs> on the sunshine. Give or, but, give or take a day. But within, yes, yeah, 7 okay. to 8 days, you'll have a, a, a beautiful show of colour. So if there's a particular occasion that you want to have flowers for, sweet peas are a really good choice as are things like cutting dahlias which can be planted as bulbs now indoors, kept indoors for the next couple of weeks and then planted out about the 1st of May Mm. and again they're fantastic for cutting in July, August, September it's also the time for planting up cottage garden plants so our old cottage garden plants like lupins and penstemons and foxgloves all of those traditional cottage garden plants that that give that sense of of, um, cottage gardening or rural gardening can be planted at this time of year as well. So there's a lovely plant at the moment in flower called the Bleeding Heart. And it's got a, it's a plant called Dicentra Spectabilis. Spectabilis tells you that it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So Dicentra is a, we call it the Bleeding Heart plant. It's an old traditional cottage garden plant. Our our older listeners will will know this plant. It's got heart-shaped flowers. So they're in exactly this shape of a heart and they're produced along the branches of the, it's a herbaceous plant or Mm -hmm. a cottage garden plant. So it grows about 18 inches to two feet in height. It flowers every year at this time of year in April and early May. And we call it the Bleeding Heart because simply the flowers are the shape of a heart and they're a very dark pink tipped with white so it's a really nice plant for the garden for early colour reliable it comes back year after year and it's dainty and different and again a great little plant for maybe get the the children plant as well because they they can see the little harp shaped flowers and it's quite a nice plant it comes in white as well but I suppose the point I'm making that any of those cottage garden if you want colour that comes back year after year then this is the time to put them into the garden so when you go to bloom in the end of May, early June, and you're admiring the beautiful lupins and all the uh, cottage garden plants, they've been planted at this time of year. So now is the time to get them into the soil. And they're perfectly hardy. So even if we get a little bit of frost at night tomorrow, or those thundery showers that those you are... thundery showers that are <laughs> that so you were chatting about, over the weekend, yeah. Yeah, if the plants will not be affected. Now, one of my favourite plants that's coming, will come into flower at the end of April, early May, is a plant called Crinodendron Hookerianum. Okay, that sounds very so exotic. So and, and the English version mm. of that is? The English, well, it's probably the Chilean version because oh, the, the plant Chilean that comes to us from yeah. Chile of all places, but it's it's called the Chilean lantern. Okay. And it produces beautiful red lantern-like flowers. I mean, they're exquisite when they're in, in bloom. They remind me, I, I suppose, of a, of a fuchsia flower, but they're bigger and they're chunkier and they're like the old lantern, Jack's lantern in the mm. autumn lanterns. Uh, but it's a beautiful scarlet red flower, evergreen foliage, you plant it at this time of year, it will flower this year for you in the garden. It'll grow to about four, maybe six feet in, in height, maybe four feet in diameter. It is a plant that you can prune back and keep smaller. But when it's in flower, it produces the flower embryos in the autumn, like many of the spring yeah. flowering plants. They're actually on the plant. You'll see the little baby embryo flowers. And as the weather starts to warm now, they'll come into flower. But they're a really good size dark red lantern flower the Chilean lantern really nice plant it was found in Chile by a man called William Jackson Hooker Okay, and the hookers so hence come. The, hence the name. And the, exactly, Hookerianum. It's named after him. And they actually come from a family of botanists. So his dad was a brilliant botanist. And his son 
was a brilliant botanist and um, uh, Hooker was actually he was the um, curator in, in Kew Gardens back in the 1800s okay. and his son took over from him so they kept that tradition of, fam- of, of intergenerational gardening but a great plant huntsman so he was sent out but by the, by oh, the British so on the so fleets when they were colonising all, all the, the different, different countries they sent the botanist out to bring back all the unusual flowers and so he was he's named after that so it's Crinodendron hookerianum but commonly called Ch- Chilean, Chilean lantern, lantern and it's very well named because it has that beautiful lantern red flowers easy to grow really nice spring flowering plant no trouble it's a, it's an easy enough plant to grow it likes a slightly acid soil so do put some ericaceous plant or compost down when you're planting it but it's for me it's it's a I always admire it at this time of year and does, it, a, and does it last long in flower a, it lasts about two months okay, okay so, so it doesn't flower all at once it tends the, the flower embryos tend to open over a period so six to eight weeks you know about a month and a half to two months depending on the weather what you often find particularly at springtime if it's cold as, as it is at the moment mm. see how the daffodils are last, lasting so long this spring well, some of them aren't out at all yet yeah and they're, but there's any that have but been in flower the, it is the cold weather of uh, course it's the cold weather is actually extending the flower period if we get warm weather naturally plants will finish up a little bit earlier but um, for me that's a really nice if you just wanted something a little bit different um, the Ch- Chilean, Chilean lantern Okay. Named after uh, Hooker. Hooker. Okay. Yeah, Sounds a, a great botanist. Very interesting story. Lovely altogether. plant. So, yeah. they're the type of things that you could. Lavender, of course, this is the time of year also, yes. if you want a bit of scent. There's a lovely plant called um, Lavender Anouk, which is a Spanish variety, Anouk. Um, it's a very blue, early flowering variety. The flowers are just coming on the plant at the moment. Right. Um, lovely scent, nice flower colour as well. So, we're really into that time of year. April is all about getting out there, I suppose, with the fruit and the vegetables and the herbs in particular um, and getting your greenhouse and, and tunnel ready. Um, it's also tomato planting time. It's that time of year, obviously in a protected area with tomatoes. Um, and we're also coming very quickly up to the time where people will be playing it, planting their hanging baskets and window boxes mm-hmm. for summer. So the early trailing petunias and uh, Bacopa and all the plants we associate with summer flowering, they're available now for planting. So if people have a, a greenhouse or tunnel, it's the ideal. They could start, it's they just can start, start early. Off. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, I plan to do a few myself tomorrow. Okay. Just to have them early and put them into the tunnel, let them come on that little bit earlier. So that when the weather does finally turn properly. In May, you can you hang them. You can be able to just say, well, and here we and are. And there we go. Yeah. This Imagine. is yeah, something I prepared <laughs> earlier. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they're the type of things people should do. Look, there's lots of information on my website, Horkin.ie. I have a blog there with lots of things to do. Every every month I put up the, the type of jobs you, you got to do in the garden. Okay, lovely. Enjoyable well, things to do in the garden. The enjoy. Well, yeah. they, it's all enjoyable, <laughs> isn't it? Surely, <laughs> none of it is a joy. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you have a question for Forek this morning, and I know there are lots in already, and some perhaps uh, are the ones we didn't get to in previous weeks, we are definitely going to address them for you. But anyway, quick reminder, it's 87 41 if you're texting or WhatsApping, and 0818 if you're calling, and garden at midwestradio.ie if you're emailing. We know that depression affects one in ten people in Ireland. People of all ages, genders and backgrounds. But thousands of others provide invaluable support. Are you one of those people? The free Aware Relatives and Friends program provides the tools to support a loved one experiencing depression or bipolar disorder in just six hours over four weeks, while also focusing on the self-care of the supporter. Our Mayo Evening program starts Thursday, April 19th at the Hotel Westport. Book today at aware.ie. 
This is Tom McHugh from the Ordry House Hotel, Milltown Road, Tume, inviting you to our 10th anniversary celebrations on Saturday, April the 7th. Saturday will be a fun day for all the family, with music and children's entertainment provided. On behalf of Sally, myself, the McHugh family, the management and staff, I wish to take this opportunity to thank all our customers for their support over the past 10 years at the Ordry House Hotel. Shed the tip, you need a skip, call McGrath Waste. Need to get rid of that trash, we'll give you a wheelie bane and a dash, call McGrath Waste. We'll take your rubble, your floor, your old back door, give us a call and we'll take it all. Mayo's friendliest business, never mind the rest, just call the best. McGrath Waste, 094-903-1315. 094-903-1315. Whoops! Paying too much for your motor insurance? Don't panic! Call Whoops! Siobhan here from Whoops.ie. With 35 years experience and 18 motor insurers, you'll get the cover you need at a great price. Call Whoops.ie. McSharry Foley Limited Trading as Whoops.ie is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Port McHale's Menswear Castle Bar annual suit sale is now on. Three-piece suit, shirt and tie, only €199 at Port McHale's Menswear Castle Bar. Rubbish, we say. Why pay more in other stores to get a discount voucher, cash back or coupons when Lidl gives you straightforward, low, low prices every day on all the products you love. Like bin liners from just 59 cent. Lidl, more for you. This message is brought to you by the Road Safety Authority, Mayo County Council and Midwest Radio. Okay, we're going to catch up on a few porg that maybe we didn't get to uh, in previous programmes. Okay, so apologies yeah. for that. I know time can uh, just be against us towards the end. We've got a problem with a camellia, first of all. It's come in via WhatsApp. Um, and the leaves are curling on my camellias. Uh, so these have been received as a present from somebody. And the soil is limey. Uh, the person has put them into two containers to plant them. Uh, but the leaves are curling. So... Uh, Discuss, diagnose, prescribe, please. No, <laughs> no less. <laughs> well, look at the curling of the leaves on, first of all, camellias, they do need ericaceous, they need lime-free soil. So the listener is in a limey area. So when you're planting them up in, in tubs and containers, you need to use an ericaceous compost. That's the first thing. The second thing to apply to camellias is an ericaceous feed. Um, and you can get a very good one called Grosure, which is a slow-released ericaceous fertilizer which can be put on the top of the camellias now and the rain will wash it in it's temperature controlled so it feeds the the camellias over a long period and camellias will always pick up over the winter period they'll pick up some 
damage on the foliage, browning of the leaves, curling of the leaves. Um, you know, you'll get a little bit of physical damage because it's basically a, an evergreen shrub. So the key thing at the moment, what I would do if they're in pots, I'd take off the first four to six inches of compost to the very top, replace it with fresh ericaceous compost, and to that I'd mix some of the grocer ericaceous feed. Give the plant pots a good watering and any of the new growth will be perfectly fine. So, you know, the, you'll arrest that problem with the camellia. It'll come back into new growth and the, that growth will be perfectly fine. So uh, there's nothing really to worry about here. Remember with camellias as well, they need a relatively large pot for their size because they're, they're you know, they're a long-lived plant. Yeah. You need to give them plenty of space. So make sure that the pot that you put them into, you know, is of an adequate size. It's going to sustain them over the next four to six years because they're, they're quite vigorous as they grow. But the ericaceous feed certainly applied nigh. Now, all the young growth will be perfectly fine and grow out of that. Again, if the listener wants to send us in a picture, that might be a good thing as well. Picture of the foliage as well, just to see, make sure there's no pest damage on the leaves as well. Things like vine weevils can often attack camellias as well, but it, it sounds to me more like a soil condition okay. and, and a weathering condition over the winter. Uh, I'd love, hopefully, now that 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 that, that addresses the problem. Uh, I'd love to grow some tomatoes with my children this year. Which is the sweetest varieties that you would recommend? Asks Claire. Okay, well, generally the ter- the cherry varieties are are very high in sugar. So, um, there's a lovely one, a lovely one called Gardener's Delight, which is a produces absolutely tons of small edible sweet tomatoes. A really nice variety, Sweet One Hundred is a very good one as well as the name suggests it's a again uh, it's a cherry variety but again produces hundreds of fruit of a very small size and and they're very very sweet so either of those two gardeners delight sweet 100 and um, they're all super varieties i didn't remen- mentioned red profusion last yes. week as well which is slightly bigger fruit they're um you know in between cherry and full-size tomatoes and they're quite sweet as well so red profusion gardeners delight or sweet 100 they can all be planted now but keep them in indoors, keep them on a bright windowsill. There's another nice variety called Totem, which only grows about 18 inches to two feet. It's perfect, say, for a classroom. If you wanted to grow a tomato in a classroom on the windowsill, where it's not going to take up too much space, because mm. many of the varieties are quite tall. But Totem is quite a short variety, perfect in a pot, and again, it's got good-sized fruit of a great flavour. A red variety. Okay. Now, uh, how can I get rid of some shrubs and put roses in their place? I can't dig them up. Please help. Um, any any suggestions? Right. Well, obviously, the, the shrubs are probably of they're too big a size to try to physically remove with the spade. Mm. I, I presume that's what the listener is saying. So many shrubs, depending on what the plants are, some shrubs, if you cut them to ground level, regrow again. So things like spireas or hypericum or buddleias have the ability to reshoot from soil level. So even if you cut them at ground level, uh, you won't kill them. They'll actually reshoot again. Others like hebes and uh, many other shrubs, if you cut them severely, physically stop growing. Conifers won't regrow again if you cut them hard back. So it depends what, what shrubs the listener has. So I suppose the first thing to do is to cut them to soil level. If they start to regrow, then you can treat them with a, uh, something like weed-free 360, which will kill off the, the physical shrub. And then you can plant safely between wherever you get pockets of soil for the roses. So if it's ground-covering roses or varieties like Trumpeter, which are very good, lovely bedding rose. So it depends really for the, what, what shrubs the listener has. But with any of them, if you cut them to soil level, if they start to re-emerge in May, you can certainly treat them. And that treatment, the Weed Free 360, will kill the shrub without affecting the soil. And you can plant your roses after that. Again, if the listener wants to just take, take maybe a picture 
of that area. Pop into, I'll actually be in the garden centre later on today in Turlock. Right. Okay. So if they want to pop in and may, maybe even bring some of the clippings of the shrubs, I'll tell them what they are, what to do with them and how to, to get rid of them. And uh, it's important then to prepare the soil well for roses because roses are hungry feeders. They grow from nothing to, you know, two feet yeah. and produce an abundance of flowers. They need a very rich soil. So it's important to prepare the soil well. So maybe take a couple of photographs, drop in. I'll be in the garden centre after 11.30 in Castlebar and um, we can go through some of the pictures. Great. Uh, now, I can I plant a strawberry tree in a oh, large yeah. pot or in the ground? I, no, we were talking about Kew Gardens, I think, in relation to those uh, Chilean lanterns. M- Mr. Hooker, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Hooker. Uh, so this person saw them in Kew Gardens uh, last autumn when they were beautiful. Ah, strawberry well, trees. Are yeah. they different to strawberry plants? They are. Presumably. Okay, they are. tell us now, more. The, the <laughs> so it's named the strawberry tree and it's named the strawberry. It's a plant called Arbutus unido. There's actually a beautiful example of them in the Botanic Gardens in Dublin. It's it's a tree that's native to Ireland it's a Mediterranean tree and I suppose when most of the countries around uh, the Med were all joined together now we're going back a while (laughs) but it is it is actually it's it's particularly in Killarney uh, parts of Sligo you get the the the, um, strawberry tree so they're not actual strawberries that it produces so it's not the traditional strawberry. So the strawberries that we associate with Wimbledon, okay, <laughs> but, uh, that's kind of the eating strawberries with, with the cream and uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're obviously they're grown from small plants that only grow you know six inches in height. So uh, the strawberry tree grows as a tree. So it's Arbutus unido. The reason it's called the strawberry tree is because it produces strawberry-like fruit, which are edible in the autumn. So it's a really nice plant. It flowers. It's got little bell white flowers in April. Mm-hmm. They set and then they produce the fruit for the autumn and, and generally the fruit stays on the tree right through the winter. The other interesting thing about the strawberry tree is that it's evergreen. It retains its foliage in winter. So if you want an evergreen tree that will grow, you know, something about 15 to 18 feet in height, have flowers and beautiful red berries. And as the bark matures, it, it takes on very like eucalyptus. It's got mm. a beautiful stained bark, very kind of a dark um, different colours on the bark so it's, a, it's actually a very attractive plant so you can grow it as a shrub or a tree um, you plant it out in the garden because it is going to make a big plant it would be fine in a pot for a couple of years but really the place for it is somewhere in your lawn or somewhere it can actually grow to its proper height so 15 to 18 maybe 20 feet in height it does like a a, a, a lime free soil mm. so do add some that's why it's, you find it in parts of Killarney and, and, and Sligo so where you've got that soil conditions are, are suitable are, are very important mm. for it um, but yeah it's worth it's worth planting a lovely plant Arbutus Nido um, and I would plant it out into the garden soil put plenty of acacias compost down with it and sit back and enjoy it okay and while the fruit aren't official strawberries uh, or they are not, edible they are edible but they're small now they're only about the size okay, of a marble a novelty more than anything else they are yeah they okay. are yeah they're novelty and they're, but they're very attractive it's a lovely attractive tree particularly in the autumn and winter months because you've got the green foliage you've the red berries on it beautiful bark as the tree starts to age so it's a really you know I'd highly recommend and it it's favor- a tree we probably don't talk about favoured by birds well, birds will eat the seed, definitely. They'll eat the berries and that's how it's propagated. That's how it spreads through places like Killarney. It's spread by the seed. Um, so birds will feed on the on the berries. During the, no, not not overly so. They mm. they prefer the holly berries and the cotoneaster berries first. It's kind of one of the last fruit they'll actually pick on in the in the wintertime. So hence the fruit tends to stay on through the winter. So it's a tree called Arbutus unido, the strawberry tree. Um, beautiful plant. 
Probably. Which, what was the question, by the way? The question was, can I plant it? Oh, yeah, can you plant it? In a yeah. large pot, in a large pot. Well, you or could, in the ground, sorry. Yeah, so you could put it in a large pot for a couple of years, but then Eventually really... Eventually in the ground. It is going to be, a, yeah, it's a big, it's going to make a 20-foot tree in time, so you'd need space. And they're fairly long-living, are they? They are, yeah, they are. I'm, um, oh, yeah, they are. I mean, they, they, I'm just going back now when I was in the Botanic Gardens, mm. they were just inside the gate and the trees were mature, so they must have been there for okay. 30 or 40 oh, years. Yeah, um, they're probably still there. Excellent. Now, a quick question on the old zero. Is it okay to put it out today? Oh, yeah, well, today would be an ideal day. Just wait maybe for the dew just to lift slightly, okay. but, um, you know, zero, you just mix it with water, spray it on, so... As, as long as you get a couple of dry hours, and I think you said the showers are coming in the later e- in the afternoon. In the yeah, so get yeah. it on this so, morning. Yeah. Do, yeah, do it now. Do it now. Uh, or get after, rid of the after ten. After ten. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> will weed free three sixty kill nettles and thistles? Asks. It will as long as you let them grow. First of all, so the way the weed free three sixty works, it's a, a liquid. Obviously, it's absorbed by the leaf of the weed, goes down through the system of the plant and kills off the root. And any any of the weed free three sixty treatment becomes inactive once it touches the soil. So it's very safe to use, say, under hedges or uh, as long as you keep it off the foliage of other plants. Um, but with nettles and thistles and, and may- weeds in general, you're better to leave them to put on some new growth before you spray them. Because if you spray them now, they're quite leathery and tough after the winter. The nettles are still dormant so they're anyway. they're kind of resistant. They are. So let them grow, first of all. Let them up. So we leave it for maybe the first week of May and then apply the Weed Free 360 and it'll kill within seven or eight days. And then you can plant safely afterwards. Okay, now here's a fairly all-encompassing question from Tommy. He says, I've potatoes planted a week ago. I'm wondering, is it too wet? Also, I'd like some ideas for a border, like low-growing, colourful shrubs like yellows or reds. I intend to put in bedding annuals later. What do you suggest? Okay, well, dealing with the potatoes. Let's go to the potatoes first. So he's planted the potatoes out of doors, I presume. Look, they're going to be perfectly fine. The weather is, is improving next week. The temperatures are getting warmer. The frost isn't going to affect them at night and they're still underneath the soil. They're growing away. So they're perfectly okay. Just leave them be. This is the time of year for planting potatoes in general. Now, I, I know the soil conditions are quite wet in, in areas, mm. but um, they can certainly be grown in pots and containers at this time of year. But... Um, so don't worry about them. There's no no need to cover them. Just leave them be. Let them grow as uh, grow on as natural. They'll be perfectly fine. And in the, what was the second part of the question? So the second part of the question is that we would like some uh, colourful, colour. yeah, colour reds and uh, yellows uh, for the border. Colourful shrubs, please. Okay. Well, you could do a mixture of of both shrubs and um, herbaceous perennials. So some of the plants I mentioned earlier, like the dicentris, are lovely. There's uh, some lovely genistas coming into flower at the moment moment and they're in the broom family bright yellow flowers very very easy plant to grow alisum saxitile is the perennial alisum alisum, which has beautiful bright yellow flowers at this time of year coming into flower now in the next week or 10 days and giving lots of color for the spring and it's a plant that comes back year after year rock roses they come in shades of reds and pinks and, and yellows it's actually a good time of year my advice really is visit your local garden center um, there's lots of really good plants just on the point of flowering and, and those that will flower later on in the summer. And I always say to, to people when they're walking around garden mm-hmm. centres, don't be tempted to buy everything that's in flower. Otherwise, you've got a beautiful garden in every April. <laughs> but it. June and July can be, it can be a, bit, a little bit stark. And that is, you often find that gardens are particularly colourful in springtime because people go into garden centres and start buying everything that's in bloom rather than thinking, okay, I'll have something that flowers now, but what about June, July and August? So plan the garden in that way that you're putting in plants that flower at different times of the year. It's easy to pick the tempting 
plants are in bloom. But do remember, look for plants that will actually flower June, July, August, September. Autumn flowering plants that will give a bit of colour like sedums, which are lovely in the autumn. So make sure you spread our heliborus, which flowers through the winter. Yes. And some of them are still in flower this time of year uh, since winter. So make sure that you go for a selection of plants that flower at different times of year. I'm also a big fan of planting plants in groups in groups of threes or fives for colour. It tends to look better. And remember foliage colour. Plants like Pittosporum Tom Thumb produces lovely red foliage, but it keeps the foliage all year round. So leaf colour, Japanese maples, red berberus. So leaf colour is often a great way to get introduce colour into the garden as well. Because flowers last for... You know, a yeah, couple, couple of weeks, but the foliage colour can last up to nine months or indeed 12 months, depending on the varieties. OK, so kind of think about it. Leaf colour, flower colour, think of plants that flower at different times of year. And also maybe introducing some spring, you know, some underplanting of spring bulbs, bulbs or summer bulbs as well, just for a bit of extra colour. OK, excellent. We're going to take a quick break. Back in a few moments. You can't handle the truth. No. You talking to me? What? E.T. phone home. That one too? Sorry, just to explain. With SkyQ, you can control your box with your voice. You can even search with a quote. Word of warning, though, it's a bit addictive. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> SkyQ, the next generation box. Requires subscription and 2TB box connected to home broadband. Limited titles and features. Buy movies in Sky Store. Looking for great prices on technology? Well, at Harvey Norman, we've got hundreds of products reduced in store and online. Like the Huawei MediaPad M3 tablet for only €248, Euro, saving you a massive €181. Euro. Or get the stylish HP 14-inch laptop with reliable performance for only €347, Euro, saving you €152. Euro. So call in store or shop online today. Harvey Norman, your technology specialists. Travel from Ballina to Dublin with Bus Errands Expressway Route 22. Choice of daily services. Adult return only €31 and student return only €23.50. Three children under 16 travel free with two adults when you purchase a family return ticket for just €61. For more information, see busirin.ie forward slash expressway. Route 22, Ballina to Dublin. Nine hours that will change your life. The free Aware Life Skills program is coming to Mayo. Taking just nine hours over the course of six weeks, this program will teach you how to recognize and manage unhelpful thoughts, learn new ways of thinking, and begin the journey to a healthier and more confident life. The evening program will kick off on Wednesday, April 18th at the Hotel Westport. Places are limited, so book online today at aware.ie. Hello. This is Sean from Harmony Hearing. For professional local hearing care in Ballina, Castlebar and Tume, please call 096 48932 or visit harmonyhearing.ie. Guinies, Hopkins Road, Castlebar. Everything you need under one roof. Curtains, rugs and doormats. Kitchens and dining, women's fashion, baby and nursery, menswear, workwear, kids. Everything you need under one roof. Call today to Guinness Hopkins Road, Castle Bar. It's First Class Office, Balahadreen, for all your arts, crafts, educational supplies and education books. First Class Office is your one-stop shop for all your school needs. First Class Office, Balahadreen, 094-960-358 for all crafts, arts and office supplies. You thought you'd need to shop around to get the best long-term savings on gas and electricity. But then you remembered you're with Electric Ireland and nearly a million other people who are getting the best savings on gas and electricity every year. 
Join us today. Call 1850-30-50-90 or search electricireland.ie because being with Electric Ireland is smart. Being with us and never switching again is smarter. Electric Ireland, that's smarter living. Conditions apply. Direct debit and online billing. Credit terms for those not on an existing discount based on rates at 14th of March 2018. Okay, you're very welcome back. Uh, right, we're going to talk about Polonias first of all, Boric, okay. because we have a query on that. Sorry, I'm dropping my pen. Um, I'm looking for a Polonia fast-growing tree with huge leaves and lots of flowers. It grows very successfully in the UK. Yeah, it's a, it's a variety. It's actually called the foxglove tree because it's, the flowers are very, very similar to the foxgloves. You know, the lovely Yes, the herbaceous. big tall yeah. ones, yeah. But it's quite a big tree. It's a deciduous tree, so it drops its foliage in, in winter um, and very, very big leaves with beautiful spring flowers. Now, it's a plant that generally isn't planted in Ireland that uh, terribly well. In, yeah. in uh, North America, it actually has become an invasive species that's spread all over the place. It t- can tend to spread from its seed. But it, the plant is available. If the listener contacts us maybe at the garden centre, we could certainly get one in for them. Okay, excellent. Um, and, and plant. Now, give it space because it's quite a large plant. makes quite a big tree. But beautiful when it's in flower. Lovely those. Love those lovely foxglove flowers. Princess tree, I think, is another name. Princess tree. As well. Yeah, it's got those. It's, you know, it's very pretty when it's in flower. Loads and loads of uh, nice, delicate pink flowers. Bluey pink flowers. I can see why it might be called princess tree. So, now, um, on the email, you were talking about blueberries a little bit earlier. So, Joe's wondering, is the bog a place you can plant blueberries and what feed do they need? Well, that's, and, and he's probably answered the question there in yes. that generally in bog so, so first of all the, to answer the question yes you can grow them in boggy conditions because that's what they like a very acid soil however in bog there's no nutrition so you do need to add so organic matter would be actually brilliant farm and manure would be because it's acidic in its nature it's full in nutrient and that's what blueberries would, would require um, so plenty of organic matter mixed in, into the soil into the boggy soil even a bit of topsoil mixed in as well so you're kind of you're using the the bog land to kind of dilute the lime that might be in any of the um, in any of the topsoil. So a bit of topsoil, some organic matter, a good deep, large planting hole for blueberries, and then you can feed them every year anyway to add extra nutrition. But boggy soil is ideal. That's where the bilberries grow. The, the, you know the, the wild bilberries, bilberries grow and that kind of. So yeah. Perfect okay. conditions. Now, Des says, I sowed holly trees a few years ago and they're two feet high now. I need oh, to perfect. move them. What's the best time to move them? Well, it's a little risky transplanting them now, particularly if they're, if they're in pots, then no problem at all. You can certainly plant them out of doors. But if they're planted, say, in a, in a spare piece of ground, which it sounds like in the garden soil, then move them next autumn. I would leave them till October, November. Dig them up. You'll have no problem transplanting them. Um, and holly makes a fantastic hedge. It's a great way to grow a, a good prickly hedge nothing likes to go through it but the birds love to nest in it um, so holly makes super hedge it's slow growing so it's easy to maintain and um, you know it's, it's one of my favourite uh, uh, garden hedges particularly the variegated forms now obviously um, this is the green form from the mm. berries so I would leave them alone for this year transplant them then next October, November into the new planting site but maybe consider planting them as a, as a garden okay. hedge be lovely lovely uh, now question on Mary's tail in a tunnel well actually it hasn't appeared yet no it's not up yet it won't be long but though. this person knows that the pest is lurking yes. beneath the surface and they're wondering how should they deal with it before they plant up the tunnel well it's actually it's a very very good question because Mary's tail is one of these 
perennial weeds that comes back year after year. It's herbaceous, which means it disappears the winter, so we tend to forget about it. Now, the only way really to control it in a tunnel scenario is to put down a physical barrier. So you either put down um, mypex material, but you need to put down at least a double, if not a treble layer of mypex material and cover it with gravel. So if you put down a couple of layers, so clean out the tunnel, put down the mypex material, that will allow moisture to pass through. But it, if it's double or treble layered, the, the mare's tail will find it very difficult to penetrate it. A single layer will come up through it, no problem. And then put about two inches of gravel on the top. And that makes a perfect uh, air situation then for planting tomato plants or cucumbers or whatever you want in raised beds or pots or containers. You simply just leave them sitting on the top of the tunnel and, and grow your plants in that. <clears throat> That's the way I have my own tunnel set up with a gravel uh, plant, mypex gravel material and then I grow everything in raised beds or containers it's a very easy way to grow plants so and, and control the weeds and so. you control the yeah. mare's tail that yeah. way otherwise you're back to spraying and you don't want to be doing that in a tunnel yeah. s- environment so the, the physical mypex material is really but at least a treble layer double to treble layer uh, if the mare's tail is bad and now is the time to do it before it starts That's to appear so yeah uh, now I have a Portuguese laurel it's five years old it never did very well it's gone a bit woody now hardly any leaves I gave it a feed last or I give it a feed every year rather what can I do with it well it sounds to me like the first of all Portuguese laurel is makes a beautiful hedge but it's a plant that doesn't like exposure it doesn't like wet very wet soils heavy wet soils so it's You need to pick the location for Portuguese laurel. It's got to be suitable. So sheltered gardens and well-drained gardens are the secret to growing Portuguese Mm. laurel well. It's totally hardy in terms of frost and and snow and all of that sort of thing. It's one of the hedges that survived in the very cold winter. But it dislikes the west of Ireland, high winds, very wet conditions. It just struggles. And this would be atypical. This sounds to me very much atypical of just the wrong plant in the in the wrong location in the yeah in yeah. The, in this location yeah, okay. so i would say you know i don't think there's much point it doesn't sound to me like you're going to by feeding it you're going to bring it back suddenly again if the listener wants to maybe take some pictures of it bring it into the garden center to me uh, I'll, I'll be there today after half 11 and i'll have a look at it but it sounds like a, a, a something that really i, w- I would say you seriously would need to be considering a different plant right. something that's going to be a lot more hardy um, and wind tolerant so maybe beech or white thorn or black thorn or you know uh, uh, maybe a mixed hedgerow holly as i mentioned earlier something that would be a lot more tolerant iliagnus abengii the silver leafed plant which is brilliant in co- uh, really windy open areas it's a far better plant than so portuguese laurel i only recommend is it, it native to portugal or is, it, is that just the name that's just the name but honest it's a prunus it's, a, it's in the cherry family okay. so it, it comes to us from asia Does or it? parts of asia and uh, so it's related to cherries, to flowering cherries. It's so it's a prunus, but it um, it doesn't like a, a windy open. You know, it just needs. It's one of those plants that does and well. And it's a narrower leaves. I think. Yeah, it's, it's very dark green. Very, it's a beautiful hedge and it's slow growing which is great because it's easy to maintain it's very dark green, the stems are red so it's a very attractive hedge mm. but in the wrong location and particularly in exposed wet conditions it doesn't thrive it doesn't have the vigor to to you know to be able to withstand it so iliagnus silver the silver leaf plant will be far better in an open situation like that but again the listener wants to take some photographs 
pop them into the garden centre today and I'll have a look at them and or you can email them into the show here yeah. at garden, garden at midwestradio.ie Now I have a hebe in, in a pot and it's gone brown in parts is it dying? The good old hebe well hebe's hebe's are I mean they're great in one sense in that they're they're an evergreen shrub they're tough as well we call them the veronica shrub and they're you know they're a great seaside plant uh-huh. tolerate wind and hardship and all of that but in their nature they tend to get a bit woody particularly if you're not trimming them back so they're one they're a bit like heathers if you trim them on a regular basis you keep them young you keep them very full and and colorful if they're let grow they tend to get a little bit woody particularly at the base and in the center and you get browning then occurring as the plant ages so it's mm. not that there's anything wrong with the plant it's more that it's actually getting older and it's and it's losing and it's one of those plants that unless you're trimming it on a regular basis you cannot come back and just hack it back and rejuvenate it so the browning what i would do really is just prune out anything that has gone brown if it's if it's dead like if it Mm. breaks away in your hand prune it back to where you see some growth and maybe take it out if it's in a pot it's in a pot isn't it it's in a pot, yes. So maybe plant it out into the garden somewhere as well because naturally enough in a pot over time it starts to get a bit hungry, a bit stressed and you get browning in the plant right. as well. You're you're actually um, accelerating the ageing oh, okay. if that makes sense yes. because the plant is under stress and, and it, so I would plant it out of doors somewhere cut out anything that, that have um, any of the dead wood that's on the plant cut that out, replant it, give it a light trimming back and this is the time of year to do that and remember that it'll take an open exposed Location, so it's one of those shrubs you can tuck in somewhere that will actually take a bit of wind and uh, quite a hardy little thing, but oh. something different in the pot. Now, is it too late to have lawns scarified? <clears throat> well, the scarification of lawns is where you it's a special machine that you, you can hire, and basically, what it does is it pulls all the dead moss, the dead thatch, and all of that. It's like you know, the rough stuff. All the rough stuff. The thing about it is that it tends, it will, it's not that it tends, it will make your lawn look horrible for three or four weeks. But it's, it's, it, it, it takes out all that dead matter. And you'd be surprised, you'd have literally barrows of material coming out right. of the lawn. Right. All the old dead clippings, all the old dead moss tends to build up. Now, if it's, so to answer the question, it's not too late to scarify. You can still scarify this time of year, but your lawn is going to look dreadful all through April and early May until it starts to regrow again. Right. So the steps would be to put on the zero first and get rid of the moss that's there. Make sure that's done first. Then put the scarifier on two or three days later and that'll take out all the dead moss, all the dead thatch and it'll, you know, take, it'll really kind of, it'll, it'll clean the out the, 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 the lawn. What you will be left with? Uh, the lawn will look black, damaged, you know, it'll look horrible for about two weeks. If you feed it then, put on the Osmo feed or a good lawn feed, it'll start to green it up, mow it on a regular basis, and you will get it back into good condition by early summer. Okay, but it's going to... Yeah. Now, what I would say to most people, unless the moss is extremely heavy, there's no need to rake, particularly if you put the zero on, uh, the grass will actually grow up through the dead moss, particularly if you feed it. Okay. Uh, speaking of moss, we've got moss growing on flocks. Can we get rid of it? Well, you can, but uh, just to be careful. Like, so flocks, there's two different varieties of flocks. You've got the ground covering one, which is coming into flower very soon. Um, a lovely alpine plant. And that's generally where the moss grows through that plant. I would just hand weed the moss out if you can, uh, because 
putting on a spray, you run the risk of damaging the flocks as well. So better just to hand weed or hand moss that particular plant, the flocks, and, and take out the heavy moss. Don't worry about taking out too much of it. So the moss is just growing from the soil surface up through the, the flocks plant. As the flock starts to grow, it'll cover up the moss in time anyway. But maybe do some hand weeding because moss is just, it's so heavy this year yeah. and it will grow up through alpine plants. But I'd hand moss it rather than spraying something on it. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Osmo there uh, as a fertiliser. Somebody just uh, say, wondering about a good fertiliser for the lawn. Uh, I've applied weed and feed to kill the moss, but would like to continue fertilising it. So yeah, well, well, what you find with the Osmo is that, it, first of all, it's a natural product. And secondly, it feeds very, very slowly. So it greens rather than actually forcing the growth. So you get a nice green colour in the lawn and it feeds it over a three-month period. So mm-hmm. very, very good greening effect from it without making the, the moss or the we the grass jump it doesn't make it soft so it gives a really good greening color so make sure you put on a slow release lawn fertilizer that's really the trick now petunias i'm planting up my hanging baskets and somebody's wondering any ideas petunias were the bane of my life rotting with all the rain last oh, year oh yeah and that they and do you know i think they're overdone as well petunias training petunias training petunias well there's so many other good plants I mean they're great as well and they're, they're particularly the uh, surfinias that trail mm. but but too many of them in a basket I think can overdo it and there's some lovely really nice choices there's a lovely plant called bacopa which does really well uh, loves moisture and it loves a wet summer bidens which is a lovely yellow flowering uh, trailing plant as well which is, is really nice fuchsias they love our west of Ireland uh, trailing fuchsias flowering and trailing begonias are brilliant which are again and begonias do so well even in a wet summer they actually tolerate the rain very well so there's a whole choice trailing lobelias that do very well the lovely plant I use in the baskets every year is a plant called Nemesia which is great in the centre of the basket to give a bit of early colour so you plant it at this time of year right in the centre of the basket it grows about 10 inches high so it gives you nice height in the basket as well and it's a, a range of pastel colours oranges and yellows and um, reds beautiful colours in Nemesia it's an old co- it's an old bedding plant yeah. but lovely in the centre of a hanging basket so you don't have to use training petunias you could put one or two in Think about some and of the other are plants. Are some of those well. others a bit more resistant? They in, are. In, in the bacopa actually love the, the rain. rain. Begonias do really well. Bizilizies do very, very well in baskets in, in, in wet conditions. Fuchsia, we all know how well the fuchsia grows here in the west of Ireland. Um, Lobelias do very well. Petunias, because of their large trumpet flowers, tend to collect the rain. So if we do get some wet conditions, but they tend to grow out of that as well. They, yeah. they produce new flowers again. Look at last, remember last July, August, September, it was so wet. It was very difficult for baskets to, or for plants in general, flowering plants, to do well. Uh, The early part of the summer was great. But yeah, there's there's loads of choices, loads of choices. And there's many foliage plants as well, like helichrysums that that don't flower, but have lovely silver or variegated foliage as well. So there's a lot of choice. And the old strawberry plant as well, stick into the hanging basket every now and again. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm just going to, I don't normally do this, but I see Kiltramot Tidy Towns, they have their church gate collection this weekend. So oh, great people community. can support. Yeah, I great know they community. do a lot of great work there, as indeed do all Tidy Towns. They do. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks to the person who uh, gave us the tip about cooking the rhubarb in the 7-Up Free. We'll try that. Yeah, we'll have to.
to try that. And remember, I'm in the garden centre today in Turlock if people want to drop in from half 11 through till 5. And bring in your pictures. It's great. We did load in last week with, with our cow, with our phones Excellent. and just pictures on yeah, it. And, and so it's a great way to have a chat about plants and, and gardening. And, and give a good idea as to exactly. what's going on. Yeah, it makes my job easier. Great stuff. <laughs> we'll be uh, testing your job next Saturday again, just after 9. That's it from us for this morning. Stand by Michael Neary coming your way directly after the news at 10. Until next Saturday, have a great weekend. Good morning to you.